Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We're doing the Greatest American Band Bracket Challenge, and um, we're to the uh, second day of round two, and uh, we're just going to jump right in, I think. Our, our first matchup uh, tonight is the Birds versus the Replacements. And, Jer, you had a uh, you had sort of uh, uh, thought following our discussion uh, or following uh, the Replacements uh, decisive uh, first round win. What was it? What were you thinking? What was? Yeah, well, we had a little bit of a uh, post game discussion on on the replacements beating Devo, and and I think we were all a little bit, uh, you know, torn on you know Devo had such a big impact, but the replacements kind of moved ahead despite their sort of straight ahead rock sound. And I kind of what I I sort of thought about and, and didn't necessarily articulate yesterday. When we were, we we're talking about the replacements was that um, you know this is a band that really elevated. The, the punk rock genre you you had a, a kind of a group of bands that were angry at the government angry at you you know just f the world kind of mentality and the replacements started that way you know kind of bratty and and uh full of piss and vinegar but then you know kind of crept in these really sentimental uh you know kind of emotional and uh you know really kind of heartfelt songwriting and i think uh i think you know that you owe them some some respect for that i think a lot of bands um, felt that that was okay once they heard them do that and, and a band that they respected and a band that, you know, certainly um, was of, you know, kind of the time. And, so, uh, you know, despite their kind of rock and roll sound, I think I think that part, I think that's more the replacement story that I, when I think of that band as being an innovator and, and kind of making its mark on rock. So they, Jeremy, they, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, and I think, you know, that, that really does help sort of crystallize, I think, what I, what I wasn't necessarily... Um, you know, hearing uh, yesterday in our discussion, uh, or or um, in the last round um, during our discussion uh, between those two bands, I mean, I think you're right. It's sort of there. There was a continuation of the more thoughtful, um, intellectual punk uh, quality that you know maybe bands like The Clash had, but that maybe hadn't quite um, fully materialized in the United States yet. Is that? But- well, even with, I would say even with the clash, though you've, you're getting, you know, sort of a grand political statement. There was nothing. You, this was the. I would say that you know, replacements Husker Du were the first ones to personalize the feelings. It was a you know human a human emotion rather than, you know, they supplanting you know the the one emotion that ran through all of punk rock, which was anger, um, and contempt. But um, you know, I think you know what you're saying is the replacements brought. Uh, human emotion, you know, sort of relationships and and that sort of um, style of songwriting to uh, what was otherwise a a fairly straight ahead blunt instrument of uh, punk rock. Yeah, so I mean, I, combi- it was the combination of of sort of intellectual and thoughtful songwriting with uh, with you know the the sort of attitude, the raucous attitude of, of punk rock. I, yeah, get, but, I get that. Before we get ahead, I mean, before we get too far ahead of ourselves and and sort of praising the the uh, Westerberg songbook as you know as you know, him being sort of the Cole Porter of human emotions, uh, they did have a, a song called Gary's Got a Boner right next to 16 <laughs> Blue. So it's not exactly, um, you know, they were a little bit reticent about being hyper-articulate. Um, there's, yeah, there's, nothing, part of the there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than, a, than, than Gary having a boner in basketball shorts. So, um, <laughs> Maybe I, Roger uh, McGuinn having a boner <laughs> might be slightly worse. I did think about that one uh, during the election cycle when Tim Kaine uh, announced that his favorite album of all time was Let It Be by The Replacements. I was like, oh my God, we're getting up a vice president whose favorite song is Gary's Got a Boner. Um, <laughs> But, uh, well, um, so I think, okay, so they're up against the birds here. I mean, you know, we've, we've 
sung their praises as uh, as sort of a, a you know a seminal founder of um, a, a type of songwriting that um, you know of really tremendous pop tunes. Right? What I would add to that, you know, and, and I'm sure that you you know this, but um, I would add to it uh, the birds as a as a feeder. Uh, um, program. I mean, if you think about it, the birds are the birds. They have a, a relatively short run, a relatively short period, but a lot of turnover in that band in a short period of time. But uh, you know, in the in the, within their ranks, you have David Crosby, you have um, Gene Clark, you have Graham Parsons at some point, you have um, you know the Flying Burrito Brothers, Chris Hillman, Chris Hillman, and um, so you're talking about a band that that spawned. You know, five or six other bands that are of major significance. It's it's impressive. It reminds me actually a little bit of the uh, the new Yardbirds over in the UK, um, yeah. who at one particular time had you know uh, John Mayle, uh, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, and Eric Clapton all in the same band. Uh, Jimmy Page, being the youngest, had to play bass because there just wasn't enough space for guitars. It's like that's insane. Um, yeah, you just have this incredible. Um, incredible wealth of talent right harkens back to when i was in high school and i believe the uh their academy the the school of the road uh, their hockey program at one point had keith kachuk jeremy roenick and uh um granado tony granado on the same i believe on the same team in high school which uh Jesus. You know, all, all doing a pg year <laughs> no they were they were all local south shore kids <laughs> So um, anyway, that's apropos of nothing except that, you know, strong programs sometimes just happen uh, organically. Um, you know, I will uh, give them a big thumbs up for, for nurturing Graham Parsons. I will give them a big thumbs down for helping to create Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, but uh, you want to go to a vote? I think so. Yeah, uh, let's do it. I think, uh, Wynn, why don't you go first this time? You know what? I'm... I, I think go. I'm going to go last because I'm... Uh, I'm I think I'm, you might be the deciding... I'm undecided at this yeah, point, so I, I need to, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm going to go with the birds, I think, for, you know, because I... And I, I this may be a recency bias on, on my part, oddly enough, um, but I did just go back and do a lot of reading and research on the birds and, and realize just how fundamental they were uh, to, you know, American rock and roll. So I'm going to go... Uh, or I, I, I'm going to go with the birds, surprisingly. I'm going to, uh, it's tough. I mean, I can't hear a a Tom Petty song or, or, you know, a million other artists that I love without thinking of, uh, you know, or thanking Roger McGuinn and his Rickenbacker sound. Um, but you know, I just, there's something about the replacements that, that, uh, I don't know, they, they just really kind of created a a sound as well that I I go back to so much. So just because it's, probably the band I go back to the most on this list, and that is one of our categories. Uh, I'm going to go replacements. I'm going to stick with my uh, the mats. I, I think that, you know, the, the key sort of question for me is really is, is about lineage here. And um, I'm, I'm leaning here, you know, I think I'm going to have to cast my vote with the birds simply because they are, their DNA runs through so much of American music. Um, you know, and they, they really were sort of fundamental. So, it, it, you know, they, they, they may be winning this matchup simply because they have, uh, you know, they are older um, and so much more has, has sort of uh, has, has grown up out of them. So I, I love the replacements probably as much as any band ever. Um, so I just want to make a last minute uh, sort of uh, plea on their behalf, which is, um, you know, I, I love I love the replacements. Um, 
I listen to them as much as any band still. Um, two things. One was you knew they were going to implode at some point during the tournament, uh, as they always did and always do. Uh, the other is that they did put out their last two albums, and I, and I think one of the tipping points for me is that The Birds never put out a bad record, and uh, The Replacements did. All right, well, let's move on. Next birds are, are, are next. Are, sorry, yeah. Big Star is next. versus pavement um i am going to throw this one out to christian because i i don't really know what he's going to say about this yeah this is uh this is a, a tough one in some respects i mean you know for for me uh pavement really was um sort of the uh the the defining um you know i i, I think um sort of conventional indie rock standard for for so much of my life um i i think i came to big star later uh, but I, I really have um, grown to appreciate their their uh, you know their place and their their sort of importance within the the, um, uh, the sort of grander picture of, of American music. Um, I, I think you know what's interesting is that Big Star obviously had uh, huge aspirations um, in terms of popularity and and you know being part of the mainstream. And I think by all accounts, everybody sort of agrees that they should have been. It's sort of amazing that they were the band that didn't make it. Well, it's um, doubly shocking when you think that Alex Chilton was coming off an already successful career uh, as a teenager. Box tops. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that's right. And then on top of that, I mean, you know, truthfully, on top of that, it's the fact that this was not an era in which uh, there was independent music. You know, it's like you get backing. I mean, if you're if you're accomplished, you have connections in the industry. Hell, you're based in Nashville. I mean, all of those things matter more then than they do, you know, in in the modern era. Um, and uh, it, it seemed like it, it seemed like it was a, a, a perfect setup. I mean, it was a slam dunk, so to speak. Um, and yet, and yet, it never quite happened. Um, so, you know, I, I think those guys. When you said it's a battle of bands that, that need to try harder, I'm not sure that Big Star could have tried that much harder. Um, and uh, you know, the, the question is really. Um, whether they've reached the the full audience that they should have in order to in order to move on to uh, to the elite eight, and um, so you know I, I'll hand it over to Jeremy now. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. So like Big Star um, to me was a uh, 
you know, a lot of times you hear about, like, you kind of get into music and you hear about these sort of cult classic bands, like the, the quintessential bands that, that the bands that you like loved, you know, and that nobody had ever really heard of. So whether it's Rocky Erickson or, um, Flaming Groovies or, you know, some of these kind of underground bands that never quite made it. And, and most of those bands are well worth listening to and, and definitely, uh, definitely kind of have a song or two or three that are, are fantastic or even more than that maybe an album big star for me was like the first of those bands that was like what the fuck how did these guys not do it you know they were just i listened to those two albums and they were so good you know and and uh and you know so i think it's it's one of those things like the first two albums are just you know perfect rock uh soul and uh you know uh, jangle right and they've got like a little bit of a beatles edge too and and uh really just blew me away and, and it was just a cool band to discover even though they were one of those bands that obviously um had been discovered by you know a later generation um the flip side pavement was kind of the first cool band that i discovered on my own so you know, a big part of this podcast is we talk about how, you know, uh, Wynn kind of influenced Christian and I, and, and, you know, obviously we found our own stuff as well, but, but it was hard to kind of float stuff upstream, you know, it was always sort of, you know, you were kind of like self-conscious of the albums you liked and, and the older brother kind of funneled in the, the cool stuff and, and Pavement, Slant Enchanted was really the first album I, I had ownership of and, and was like, wow, I found this on my own and it's brilliant. And, uh, I did this day, you know, it was on our perfect album pod. Thanks to Win. It's a great record. It, it, it really does define indie rock in the nineties. I think when you mentioned on the talking head segment that it was a band that kind of, you could look at and be like, Oh, that could be me. I kind of felt that way about pavement too. You know, it was a band that I was kind of like, Oh, this looks like my friends, you know, <laughs> playing, playing music. And, and, uh, you know, and, and they were smart and, and great songwriting and super intelligent. Um, you know, my one knock on pavement is that it kind of went downhill from the first album. Um, and big star didn't have that opportunity. They broke up too early and, and you can argue that third sister is, is kind of a beautiful mess. I, I love it, but you know, it definitely is not an easy listen where Pavement kind of just, you know, they had two records that were very critically, you know, acclaimed, and then, you know, kind of just Wowie Zowie was like a total mail it in, you know, just a boring kind of record. And then from there, you know, kind of had some decent songs and, and, and fits and starts. And I, I never got to see Pavement live till much later, but I'll let Wynn handle that part. Well, I've, I think I've spoken too much about uh, Pavement's Ineptitude as a live band. Um, like I said, I watched a documentary about them the other night um, on YouTube, and, uh, you know, my worst recollections were confirmed. They really, um, it was, it, like I said, it wasn't a spectacle. It was, you know, the it was the equivalent of just peeing down your leg, um, you know, where the replacements were, um, you know, destined to, to self-sabotage. Uh, pavement just didn't even put the effort into to making a, a spectacle of their self-sabotage. That said, I love Slanted Enchanted, Watery Domestic. You know, I love that stuff, Half of Crooked Rain. But then, I, again, I, I do think they kind of, um, you know, they willfully tried not to succeed, I think, as opposed to, um, you know, really truly being experimental. I think they were um, antagonistic with their audience and with um, the industry, which is understandable to a degree, but I don't think they had been wronged in the way that other people do. Uh, so I didn't feel like vengeance for them. It felt like, um, you know, it, it felt like a, a sort of narcissism where they needed to, to let people know that they weren't, um, you know, a slave to the game. Um, 
which is very different from Big Star, Memphis. Um, people always talk about Big Star as being a very soulful band. I never really read soul into their stuff so much, even though Alex Chilton had a great, um, you know, a really I, mature voice. I think it's in the, the I think it's, I was going to say, I think it's in the vocals, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I hear that. But, um, you know, I, I love the Chris Bell songs, and I loved Chris Bell's solo uh, stuff. Um, you know, got another guy who died far too young. Um, you know, when it comes down to it with me... Uh, I it's just a matter of of really um, a band that I I loved Pavement because you know as a writer um, and a lover of words I loved uh, the words you know the sort of wordplay he was using a lot of people were trying to do a sort of absurdist collage kind of um, lyricism N- almost nobody is as successful at it as uh, Steve Malcolmus was on Slanted and Enchanted so yeah. um, it's it's a this one's a really tough one for me. Um, I, uh, you well, know, I cast like your vote. Retrospectively, um, I know I'm going on, but retrospectively, I think um, I may have loved Pavement more than I should have and not uh, paid enough attention to Big Star. Um, my vote's for Big Star. Christian? I'm going Big Star. This is a sweep, Big Star. Wow. That was, uh, it's very surprising. Um, all right. All right. Let's get ourselves, let's get ourselves out, of the, uh, out of the margins. And uh, <laughs> the next one is... Uh, Stop uh, looking at our Converse and uh, yeah, strap from, on some leather pants. Yeah, far, let's get some assless chaps going here. Uh, <laughs> the next one is Van Halen versus the Cars. And um, I don't know where either one of you guys are going with this, but I think I might. Uh, anyway, Christian, why don't you kick it off? Because I, I have no idea where you're going. Sure. Um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll start out by saying, you know, I think, uh, again, you know, I, I look first at sort of the, the quality of the, of the actual, um, of the songs and the albums here and, and Van Halen fucking rock. Like Eddie Van Halen, just, just such an incredible guitar player. Um, you know, I think the car is similarly, uh, really great sort of craftsmanship, um, in, in their songs, uh, it, I mean, you know, I, I think the the lyrics were good, not necessarily um, not necessarily great, uh, but they definitely had, as I said, you know, in the in the last round, and, and what really gave them the edge is the fact that they have this incredible, um, they they have this incredibly uh, instantly sort of identifiable sound, and yet it manages to be timeless at the same time, which which seems um, you know like a, a really you know incredible achievement. Um, there's nothing particularly timeless about Van Halen, um, but as far as just like pure, uh, you know, balls to the wall grandiosity, um, they they definitely win, you know, hands down in, in that particular category um, compared to pretty much anybody uh, that that was even in the tournament. Maybe you know, maybe a band like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, sort of sort of uh, get up there. But I mean, these guys really were um, one of the most uh, 
sort of energetic and, and um, raucous fans, I think, out of, out of all of them. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. Um, it's sort of a, a slightly, slightly, dwe- I mean, you know, I, I would never describe the cars as dweeby, but next to Van Halen, everybody looks dweeby. Yeah. I don't know. What, yeah, what do you think, Jeremy? I'm, I'm actually going to go, uh, I'm going to make up for my uh, long-windedness in the last one and just say that Van Halen has five great albums. The Cars have two great albums. Uh, this might be the part where, uh, you know, muscle just overcomes finesse. Yeah, I'm going to say the the battle of the bulge. Van Halen wins um, part two. And, uh you know, I think they just, it, they're a band too that I think gets overlooked for melody, you know, um, songs like Dance the Night Away and, and uh, you know, Janie's Crying are, are just, they're really great pop songs, even Unchained. though they have a lot of muscle, yeah, and and, uh, and great guitar work, so I'm going to go ahead and vote on this one, I mean, I do love the cars, I think those first two albums are amazing, but I'm going Halen. Christian? I think Van Halen. Yeah, it's a clean sweep again. Um so Van Halen moves into the next round, where they will meet the winner of our uh, final matchup before they're the break. currently they're currently they're they're currently banging Jesse's girl backstage. I think. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a lot going back. Is, uh, oh wow, this is great. Stooges versus Blondie. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, made even better by the fact that the, this uh, the lead in both bands have actually duetted together uh, on a song uh, by Cole Porter called. Uh, um, oh man, I'm going to forget the name of it. It's uh, Miss. Anyway, go ahead. From the Red Hot and Blue um, AIDS Benefit album back in the early '90s. Of all of the of all of the uh, of all of the songs that they could sing together, I'm not I, I wouldn't necessarily um, hand them a Cole Porter tune, but you know what? Um, I they would love to job. see their interpretation of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that this is definitely the steamiest, hottest, most attractive, sexiest uh, matchup that we've got in this particular region. Uh, I think well, easily in this region, um, but possibly in this entire round of basketball. Um, Man, those are two sort of heartthrob, uh, heartthrob, you know, uh, right front people for for bands. And I mean, I like it, just the performance comp- uh, aspect of this. I mean, is 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 so huge for both of them. Um, the look was so important. Um, the the optics of, of you know both of these bands, but the but the the reason that they're that they've survived this far, both of them, um, is the fact that they really do back it up with, with incredibly high quality music. Um, you know, I think this is this is ultimately a competition in which two bands enter CBGBs and only one may leave. 
Um, so, Jeremy, uh, how would you how would you frame this uh, frame this? Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I, I think you kind of nailed it when you said that the two front people of this band. So, I can't think of Blondie without obviously envisioning Miss Blondie herself, Deborah Harry, and you can't think of the Stooges without you know seeing Iggy Pop rolling around on stage Covered with in peanut you know, butter, peanut like butter and blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Glass so, sticking um, out of his ribs. <laughs> you know, for me, it's going to have to come down to just kind of, uh, and they both had a big cultural impact. You know, this is I'm, I'm kind of trying to go back to the criteria on this one, and, and both bands, you know, Blondie obviously blending, you know, uh, sort of mixing dance and New York downtown scene, and and uh, Stooges obviously creating basically you know punk rock and and uh and you know churning guitars and, and that detroit kind yeah. of wall of sound um it's creative creative wise you know i think the edge might go a little bit to blondie just because the stooges did you know kind of like the ramones and some other bands um they did one thing really really well they did it better than anyone else but i think blondie kind of changed things up and, and threw you some curveballs every once in a while so here's where I'm going to evoke the American spirit again um, and say that, one, uh, Stooges are from Motor City, so, you know, they've got that going for them. Um, two, I think the, the core distinction here, and I mean, these are both punk bands of a similar, you know, they've certainly overlapped for, for um, a number of years. And, uh, you know, the Stooges and Iggy Pop in particular were never playing it safe. They didn't, like, that just did not enter their vocabulary. There was nothing safe about their music. There was nothing safe about their act. I cannot get over to this day what their music sounds like. And then you look at the date stamp mm-hmm. on it and you think, holy shit, this came out in 1969? Like, th- that's just, I mean, that that makes no sense. I mean, that, that came out the same year that Led Zeppelin's first album did. That just, like, it's completely off the wall bonkers to me. Um, and, you know, Blondie, by contrast, very, very... I think tightly wound and sort of carefully, uh, uh, carefully planned out. Um, so, you know, I think, I think the point is that, that the Stooges play a, a, a much freer flowing game um, and sort of shoot from the hip and whatever. They throw their bodies of, around. <laughs> whatever cocktail of drugs got taken 15 minutes before the game started. Whereas, uh, whereas Blondie has like a game plan and by God, they're sticking to it. What do you think, Linda? Yeah, actually, I mean, this is, the Stooges really are, the bad boys from Detroit, the bad boy Pistons. Um, Stooges, uh, when you said Blondie and the Stooges uh, crossed paths, uh, Frank, actually, they didn't. I mean, that that's how early the Stooges were, and that's how influential they were that's uh, right. for Iggy the time. Iggy Pop did, but Iggy yeah. Pop certainly did. And it, the, the song they did together was called Miss Otis Regrets. Um, but, uh, it, I, you know, believe me, I love Blondie as much as anybody, and certainly growing up um, with uh, Debbie Harry, in the spotlight, I mean, I couldn't have been more in love with her as a t- preteen. Um, it, it was amazing. Uh, both styled by my my old friend uh, Stephen Sprouse, who um, uh, was a terrific designer back in the seventies. Um, but uh, the Stooges, I mean, the Stooges are the are the hurricane. Uh, they're gonna blow through anybody. Um, Blondie, great band, love them very very much. But um, I'm gonna cast my vote, and it's for the Stooges. Stooges. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, uh, I want to be your dog. You know, come on. And also, uh, <laughs> next round will be the Stooges and Van Halen, so I'm uh, looking forward to that one. Go ahead. Let's take a, we're yeah. going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we will finish out the second round and um, some good matchups coming up. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Tonight we are finishing the second round of our uh, Greatest American Band Bracket Challenge. And um, start off with a real uh, mismatch, mismatch of styles. Um, first up is the Velvet Underground versus Metallica. Jeremy, what, what's your thoughts on this? <laughs> I just uh, envisioned the Lou Reed Metallica album in my head. <laughs> and, That's right, they, I forgot. Uh, that just made me, made me very uh, angry. Um, yeah, I mean, this Metallica one's not hard. Music. Yeah, exactly. This isn't hard for me. I'm just not a huge, I mean, I think Metallica is hugely important. And I think I can definitely, you know, certainly use our criteria to, to call out their uh, attributes to music. But I don't really love Metallica and never have. I love VU, and I think they have those same attributes that, that we have our criteria. And, uh, and they're a band that I, I you know, where, where I guess the rubber meets the road again for me on this one is who do I return to the most? And, and I return to VU. Um, I never really, I, I've, I've flirted with Metallica Never gone there that often, and and, and uh, you know respect the hell out of what they did, but but probably not going to get my vote today. So, uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it was flirted with Metallica, married VU, fingered the Almond Brothers. Um, <laughs> Christian, what's um, do you have a, a dissenting opinion in the Metallica Velvet Underground fight? No, I mean I you know I I don't, and that's that's not going to be too surprising to anybody who knows my taste in music, and and sim- simply because I think the Velvet Underground were, were just so unbelievably influential for, um, and I mean stylistically, uh, in terms of fashion, in terms of um, you know the the sort of intersection of of art, music, and and lifestyle. Um, I, I do think it's important to note that you know there is a deep dark satanic forest of metal out there that we probably don't talk about enough on this podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in that respect, Metallica is a massive influence to so many fans. And, you know, I, I think that their, their crossover ability is probably, um, they're sort of, their not, not crossover ability, their, their mainstream appeal that, that took place after, uh, after, you know, Enter Sandman and the Black Album in the early nineties. Um, you know, really actually, despite the fact that I think that was when their music started to go south, the fact that they broadened their audience so much um, is, is really the thing that I think uh, sort of sets them apart in some ways um, and, uh, and, you know, gives them a, a potential claim um, to, to a title here. Um, that said, you know, you ran up against a brick wall. Sorry, guys. It's got to be VU. I'm going to cast my ballot early. Um, I've got, I, I'm not even going to descend here, uh, Velvet Underground is standing in the uh, second round looking very, very much like a force to be reckoned with on the way to the final. So I'm Looking like a number one seat. Be and uh, there we are. Three, three yeah, I, I, would, I would say that this is why they're a number one seat, but of course in, in terms of how we actually seated our bracket, that has nothing <laughs> to do with it at all. So um, anyway, moving on. Yeah, Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, the enemy of math and science. Boy, what you do? 
Next, uh, next up's an interesting matchup: uh, Aerosmith versus the Allman Brothers, and um, I think uh, I think Jared's the wild card here. So um, why don't you let us know what you think about this matchup? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean it's a tough one. I mean I, I think that uh, you know I, I really value Aerosmith. I mean I get the Allman Brothers and, and what they brought to to rock and roll and, and Southern rock and, and we certainly uh, you know they swayed me in the last round and they may sway me again because I, I do think they're they're very much an American band but I, I I agree you know I also think that Aerosmith is too and I you know it, it kind of like in the Van Halen sense that um, you know those guys kind of carried the torch to me from you know the Led Zeppelins of the world and and brought you know brought a great sort of swagger and, and blues and, and uh, riff rock over to, you know, in, into America and, and were hugely successful. Um, you know, we do know the knock against Aerosmith is, is their later half career is pretty painful. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think, think it is. I, I don't think their later half is. I think they're, they're later, you know, they're, yeah, they're, they're into the into the golden age. It's a band that probably should have hung it, like the Rolling Stones, who I adore. You know, I don't need them to put out another album. You know, and I think it, the same goes for Aerosmith. But um, but you know, the Allman Brothers, on the other hand, you know, are are kind of it's like the Birds or some of the bands we talked about. Like it, it's they're they're just part of the American rock. You know, it, it's somebody that you you can't escape and and you don't want to because the songs are really good. Um, so I'm, I'm still on the fence here. I'd like to hear, uh, I kind of have a feeling, you know, one of you is going to go one way and the other is going to go the other. So I'd like to hear those, uh, those arguments. That's a smart feeling. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the mat for Aerosmith because I think they were one of the most exciting. They were the most, when we started talking about doing this, uh, bracket challenge, one of the reasons that we were motivated to do it was the fact that, you know, most of the great bands are British or um, you know, not American. And, you know, when you start thinking about the bands that are American, even the first, you know, couple that come to mind, you know, Bruce Springsteen um, and Tom Petty and people like that, uh, you know, they're solo artists with a backing band. Um, Aerosmith was the dominant uh, band when they, you know, when they came out. They, uh, they are, you know, they were full force, um, you know, they... They were all in as a as a stage presence, uh, great songs, um, just a great package altogether. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to articulate uh, quite what I'm. Uh, you know, the you're, sort you're of, talking about you're talking about team basketball here. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think they were, you know, um, they were our Led Zeppelin for for quite a while. Yeah. Um, can I can I jump in there please. and and take them take them down a peg uh, please because I, I first of all I hope that your phones both break and uh, the only song that, that you can play on iTunes or Spotify or whatever you listen to is I don't want to miss a thing 
uh, for the next three weeks because it truly is one of the biggest steaming piles of shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, I, I think that Aerosmith, look, yeah, they're a little like Led Zeppelin, but they also followed Led Zeppelin. I mean, think about where their influences came from. What is so uniquely American about Aerosmith? Um, they were, you know, they they adapted or adopted a style, I think. They were a hard that, uh, blues rock band. Yeah, but who did that first? And that's that's really where my where my the blues know, <laughs> muddy waters. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, well, Delta blues musicians did it first, but then it was adopted by the rhythm and blues, mo- you know, uh, scene in London in the nineteen fifties and sixties. Um, and but by that very was, argument, you're discrediting the Allman Brothers. I mean, there was other bands that did what the Allman Brothers do before the Allman Brothers did it. No, no, I'm discrediting Aerosmith. No, I know you, you are. I'm listen. saying, I'm saying, by <laughs> that argument, you are discrediting the Allman Brothers. By that yeah, argument I, of saying other people have done it first, you're, you're, you're you know, you're, you're not arguing uh, that the Almonds were an entirely original package, whereas Aerosmith was kind of a mimic of something they'd already seen. You're saying that Aerosmith is a mimic of something they'd already seen. I would say that it applies uh, decidedly to the Almond Brothers as well. They, they were, uh, you know, they weren't uh, massively original uh, in their... But- but here's the here's the distinction. Um, the Allman Brothers were inheriting a, a musical tradition that I think was, you know, born in, in Southern country and blues music, um, and taking really sort of like local, you know, even down to like community level musical traditions in, in the American South and Southeast, um, and bringing it to a huge audience and saying, look, this is this is going to be rock and roll, and you know, and and here's our version of it. Aerosmith was taking the bastardized British version of that back from the other side of the pond and, you know, putting on leather pants. Uh, I mean, like, th- just everything down to, you know, the feathered bows and the the um, uh, the, the fashion, like, the, the personas off stage. it was all founded on something that, like, the massive 70s British rock bands had already done. Um, and for me, that's what makes it difficult to say that Aerosmith is the greatest American rock band. I don't want our best... Version. I don't want the best thing that we put forward as a nation, gentlemen, um, to be to be a band that uh, is basically just in, interpreting, you know, a, a sort of like a chewed up and spit out nineteen um, seventies British rock. Well, I think I think we go. I think we go back to our roots, and I think we stay with the almond. <laughs> no, I, I'm glad I just audited that class at NYU. Um, <laughs> I uh, I actually think that you 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 know I think what you fail to recognize um, you know and it is a um, you know it is a bias that that you you know carry by not having lived back then. And I mean, I wasn't really alive uh, when they when they came out either, but. There was this is the most condescending matchup in the uh, in the entire Absolutely. bracket so far, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I do think that Aerosmith. Um, you know, I, I don't think you had the uh, exposure um, and the ability to study um, both. You know, uh, a band like Led Zeppelin in 1972 or whenever um, it was in 71 when Aerosmith. Formed. Um, yeah, I mean, Dream On was the first single that wasn't. They were around. They were contemporary. Yeah, and um, you know, so I don't think that they necessarily. You could you couldn't really study the Zeppelin playbook because Zeppelin was sort of finding itself in real time as well. So I think Aerosmith is a fairly organic creature that came out of. Uh, you know, certainly. Um, you know, I'm sure they were big Zeppelin fans, but it's not as if they were. You know, the darkness playing at being Queen. It would. They were. Um, you know, they were kind. They were fairly contemporary. Uh, contemporaneous bands to one another. 
I think we need to vote. I mean, I think this is a tough one, and uh, I think we need to vote. I, I think I know. Well, that, I uh, think, go ahead. You I think first. you two just voted, so I think I'm going to decide this one for you guys. Um, I think both arguments are good. I think uh, I, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to edge out um, on the side that uh, you know. I, I think Christian. I think you're right in a lot of ways, except for that. I think arrows. You. I think you just. Have came to Aerosmith way late and 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 un, 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 blinded by the latter half hatred, much like your hatred of REM. And uh, I think they were they were more important and more impactful than uh, than you just gave them credit for. So I'm going to go with Aerosmith, even though I, I think the Almonds would have been a good call. But I'm going Aerosmith. Nice. Well, that's what makes it tough. This. You know, I've never been a middle brother before. This is kind of strange. It's yeah, uh, until this podcast. <laughs> I was never. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. We are finishing up the second round, um, second day of the second round currently, and there's been some really sweet matchups on this one. Um, the next one, I'm afraid, is a bit of a pile driver, but I, I may be presupposing that. So I'll throw it out there um, and throw it over to Jer. Uh, this one's Nirvana versus Guided by Voices. Yeah, well, um, you know, as much as I, I love Guided by Voices and, and highly recommend uh Checking them out if, if you're not a fan, or at least B Thousand Alien Lanes. It's really, really hard to go against Nirvana in, in all of the categories that we picked. Um, so, you know, I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and vote and just say that Kurt and crew. Um, Kurt might have actually just sat on the bench in, in a nod on this one, and uh, Chris and, and Dave Grohl took over, took the game over, and, and stole this one from uh, the boys from Ohio for, in my my book. Yeah, I, was yeah, I, think, I think we walked into the arena today, and there was just a sort of blood smear at, at midcourt. Um, <laughs> it was and, it was uh, the aftermath of the Smells Like Teen Spirit video. <laughs> yeah, basically, and then you know, and Kurt Cobain was standing over it. So I, I figure, yeah, I mean, you know, thanks guys, but no, Nirvana. Yeah. Uh, I think they were the the um, softball softball team from uh, Ohio that showed up to a basketball tournament. So it was it was the men's yeah. club league versus the uh, <laughs> best 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 cheerleaders as well uh, from from the smells like Teen Spirit video. I think so. There you go. I do have to give one quote though from Robert Polar before we leave, and, and I thought about this in, in their last matchup. Um, one of the best quotes ever I read by him was. Uh, Somebody asked him about being an alcoholic, and he's like, "I'm not an alcoholic. Alcoholics go to a go to AA meetings." Ah, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> and, and and he'll be on his way to the bar after this loss. But that's yeah. yeah. So anyway, what they what they lacked in output, uh, GBV made up for both teams.
Anyway, moving on to the final uh, match of the night, which is actually quite interesting. Uh, P-Funk, Parliament Funkadelic versus the Ramones. Um, Wyndham, why don't you kick this off? Because I, this is actually, I, I need to hear your arguments first. I'm, I'm a little undecided. I'm undecided myself. I am a, you know, I'm a big Ramones fan. I'm a big Parliament Funkadelic fan. I, I like I said before during the, uh, and I, you know, I'm going to hate to use the same argument twice, but Parliament Funkadelic, uh, without them... There is a you know there's a whole swath of modern music that doesn't exist, and um, or doesn't exist in the same way that it does. Uh, the Ramones massively important, um, also great fun. I think um, you know they're a Grand Slam team that goes uh, under the radar on that front because all four of their albums, uh, first four albums, sound exactly the same. Um, but they did have a you know the thing that gets lost about uh, the Ramones is. Uh, they did have a, a really sneaky sense of humor. Uh, they were very funny, playful. They were, you know, as as druggy and rock and roll and, you know, uh, fucked up as any band there ever was. Um, that said, uh, P-Funk, to me, you know, they run that gamut between uh, being a almost a hard rock band at times, um, certainly a performance, uh, you know, a, a performance full of players, uh, great virtuoso musicians, and uh, laid down a lot of the grooves. One thing I would say is that, you know, their song, they have great songs, great albums. Um, they're relied upon very heavily, you know, for their samples and their, and their grooves and their beats. Um, do they have... Um, beyond a couple of, of, you know, very recognizable songs. Do they have any real, you know, a lot of real popular songs? Um, with that, I'm going to throw it over to Jeremy because I'm still questioning uh, where I'm going to go with this. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I think Funkadelic, to me, is a, is a little more culturally impactful. Um, I think definitely hits the technical skills. I mean, those guys could play Bernie Worrell, Eddie Hazel, um, you know, just... George Clinton, you know, it's a and Bootsy Collins. Uh, you got some real, like, you know, some of the best musicians of that time playing in that band. Um, I think they have some good albums too, but but they're all, you know, the, I think the knock on, unlike the Ramones, who kind of did one thing consistently well, but were not that inventive. Um, and you know, they they were kind of in a in a counter way, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't wildly experimental or anything like that. Um, P-Funk and Funkadelic kind of, you know, uh, hamper themselves a little bit by going way off the, well, I was, I was the say, stratosphere, maybe, you know. I'm, and uh, I may be the first person to draw the comparison between P-Funk and the Birds, but, you know, both of them were bands that put out, you, you, you went album to album and you didn't know which band was showing up. Right. 
Yeah, and it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty eclectic grouping of songs, and, and, and like you said, you could go into a weird country funk jam or a straight-up rock and roll song or a 10-minute guitar solo, um, you know, all of which are pretty cool and good, but it, it doesn't, you know, necessarily keep me, you know, returning to it all the time. So um, they're more of a, a, a pick a, a single or two off an album and throw it on because it's a great song and I haven't heard in a while. I don't know. I mean, it, it's a tough one. I'm still pretty undecided myself, so... Christian, can you let's sway well, it? Let one me, way let or me the other. throw out one question well, to you, Christian, before you jump in. Well, which is are we reverse engineering uh, the Parliament Funkadelic catalog? Are we um, are we judging them based on where their music went after they des- after they stopped creating that music? Well, the the greatest, I mean, the greatest strength that we've cited is sort of the 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 way that their their music sort of permeated through um, samples and hip hop and and rock and elsewhere. I mean. Like they were also a hell of a live band um, and widely loved when they played. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that 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 deserves recognition, you know, in its own right. I do think that the Ramones, for their part, are um, such an important starting point for American punk uh, or one of the one of the, you know, sort of key um, sort of inflection points, maybe in, in, in the development of American punk. Um, that, you know, without them, it really is safe to say that, that, um, it's a, it's a music that wouldn't have garnered the same kind of mass appeal that, that it has now. I would like to point out that, that it was funny that this matchup occurred and by literally no, no, uh, sort of engineering ring of yeah. the, yeah, exactly. This is, this is total luck. Um, when I, so, uh, when I was in high school, I guess, um, or maybe college, uh, I saw Henry Rollins do spoken word art. Um, I have a lot of stories about seeing people do spoken word art. Yeah, I can don't, assure you that none of this is of my own. Um, but but no, the the one thing I remembered about this was the fact that he called for um, he literally called for a global uh, block party uh, of P Funk and the Ramones, which would be based on brotherhood and opposition to war. Hmm. So I think I, so I wish got Henry, it. I wish Henry Rollins were here to cast the deciding vote. Uh, force him to force him to to you know basically wedge his global block party um, and, and make him pick one. Uh, but I think if we're if we're about ready to vote, I'm I'm going to do it. Go Can on. I go? All it right, is. Ramones. Chair. Uh, I'm going to go Funkadelic. I'm going to go Ramones. All right, Ooh. Ramones win. Lyndon was not. He was hoping to avoid having to cast yeah, the deciding vote. Was. Now, when I think, um, man. second round but I will uh, I will leave you with this um, little uh, t- 
teaser, which is that coming up in the round of of uh, 16, we have the Beach Boys versus the Eagles, Sly and the Family Stone versus CCR, Leonard Skinner versus R.E.M., Wilco versus the Pixies, Birds versus Big Star, Van Halen versus the Stooges, VU versus Aerosmith, and Nirvana versus the Ramones. Good God, the tournament is heating up, people. Yeah, <laughs> this is a one shining moment. Anyway, thanks so much, guys. I'll uh, see you uh, the next round. That's it for this episode of Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks to Simon Doom for our intro music, Hair of the God, and to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Tweet our mistakes and your recommendations and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, on behalf of Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you for listening.